You're listening to the CTK O'Fallon Podcast. So in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, I turn your attention for my first assignment tonight to the 35th verse. And I'll read verses 35 through 37 so you're not curious as to how long I'm going to read. Can you hear me okay? Okay. After this, Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, allied himself with Isaiah, the king of Israel, who acted very wickedly. Everybody say, that was a bad choice. You're exactly right. It was a bad choice. He allied himself with him to make ships to go to Tarshish, and they made ships in Ezion Geber. But Elizur, the son of Dodava, and Merisha prophesied, against Jehoshaphat, saying, Because you have allied yourself with Isaiah, the king, the Lord, rather, has destroyed your works. Then the ships were wrecked, so that they did not, in fact, go to Tarshish. I would preach to you this first night of our sectional revival about the echoes of the sea. The echoes of the sea. And we are a long way from the sea here in Illinois, but I think the spiritual principle is going to play out here tonight. Didn't understand it really until I was close to getting here, why I felt the Lord prompted me to minister on this, but it's the will of God, Brother Heil, for everybody in this room. If we're going to talk about this by faith and not by sight, we better make sure we know who and what we're putting our faith in. It's hard to say you put your faith in a God you cannot see when those things we can see would speak contrary. Amen. I want you to pray with me. Throw your hands towards heaven and really thunder for a moment that God would help us. Come on, that's it. Really lift your voice and magnify God. We love you, Lord. We praise your name. There's none like you. There's none like you. Come on, tell him there's none like you, Lord Jesus. Do your work. Do the work that only you can do. Ah, yes, God. Use me. It'd be effective for your kingdom here tonight. There'd be response to your word. In Jesus' name. God bless you. Before you're seated, turn to somebody. Smile so big they see every tooth you own legally. Come on, tell them I'm glad you made revival. <laughs> Maybe seated. I like to say, even if you bought them, they're yours. So. <laughs> Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. There is currently an estimated $60 billion in sunken treasure on the bottom of the seafloor. I'm not sure, but I've got to feel like there's a handful of churches in Section 4 that wouldn't mind getting a piece of that pie. $60 billion pie. 
handful of years ago, deep sea explorers pulled up 48 tons of silver treasure from three miles below the surface of the North Atlantic in what was considered the deepest and the largest precious metal recovery in history. For those of you who were at Relay, you might remember me talking about the SS Gersapa, 412-foot steel-hulled British cargo ship that sank in 1941. It's amazing to me that when they pull this up, this expedition by Odyssey Marine Exploration, a company specializing in shipwreck exploration, they recovered those 1,200-plus bars of silver, totaling 1.4 million ounces, equaling $40 million. Mm. Mm. That's a good dive. Becoming one of the largest finds ever. This is just a handful of years ago. The problem is when they found it, it was not as shiny as it once was. But its value was still as noticeable. There is no reason for me to belabor what most in here could already put together. What your minds would be recognizing the spiritual parallel to this tragedy. While I read to you that there is an estimated $60 billion at the bottom of the seafloor in temporal treasure, yes, that is true. However, there is a vast amount of wayside wreckage. It's not comprised by bars of gold, but rather, and unfortunately, it is the souls of teens and young adults. Not, not bars of gold that are missing, but teens who were meant to walk on streets of gold are missing. I speak to the souls so priceless that only the blood of Christ was able to purchase them. And I speak from the onset of this meeting to tell you it is not the will of God that they are not here. I know I believe it and I heard several elders, but I want some of their friends and young adults in this room to give me an amen to that. They ought to be here tonight. 2 Chronicles chapter 20 has long been a commonly quoted chapter of Scripture. However, not because of the verses that I have read, but rather because in verse 15, Jehaziel makes a proclamation to King Jehoshaphat under the Spirit. And he speaks up and he says, Be not afraid, nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours. But God's. Now, how many wave at me if you've ever heard that in a service? The battle is not yours. Come on, you know they didn't say it casual when they said it. Preacher, help me. Come on. You know you didn't say it. And the battle is not yours. You got your best preacher's voice on. And you said the battle is not yours, but God's. Turn to somebody else you had not talked to yet and tell them it's God's battle. Come on, tell them it's God's battle. And it seemed like almost an audacious thing for the young Jehaziel to speak these words to Jehoshaphat. But I'm telling you, Brian, it was right after that that there was an absolute worship session that took place 
And God did, in fact, send the armies of the Lord, send ambushments according to the King James Version, and there was a great spoil recovered. In verse 18, in fact, the Bible says that Jehoshaphat bowed his face before God in worship. The spoils of that war were so many they could not even carry them all. That's the kind of spoils I think I'm after. But I'm not after spoils on the physical side of things. I'm after the kind of spoils that we get up and we keep exhorting about in our worship services. I'm after the stuff we keep shouting about more than we're seeing. Is that all right? I think that we're pretty much getting to the day where we have to stop being cheerleaders to get you to start Bible clubs. I think we're getting to the point where God is trying to do such a thing in the Pentecostal church right now that we're not going to have to beg people to worship. And we're not going to have to try to pump and prime and promote that God is worthy actually of I think that's really where we're at. And so I'm going to be real honest with you. From the start of this meeting, I'm here to do my very best to make hell very frustrated and let the kingdom of God feel like we are advancing. It is not the will of God that we be average. It is not the will of God that you feel average. It is not the will of God that you feel defeated. It's the will of God that we feel full of power and full of authority. And it's the will of God we stop losing young people to the world. Yeah. The Bible says about Jehoshaphat, he walked in the way of his father Asa, doing that which was right in the sight of the Lord until he made friends with Isaiah, who did very wickedly. Your friends will tell on you. You know, there's an old saying that's still true. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Show me who you text at 2 a.m. and I got a pretty good idea where you'll be in six months. Nudge your neighbor, tell him he's talking to you now. He's, He's in your business. Let me look at your search history. I'll tell you where you're going. You can clear it where your mom can't find it, but he knows. I'm not, I'm, Listen, there's no shock jock about what I'm doing right here. I'm just talking to young people that are destined to be more than average. Okay? He made friends with Isaiah who did very wickedly. There's people in this room that if you'd be honest, you know you act different around certain crowds. Your conviction should not change when your geography does. Some of you know you never dressed like that till you started hanging around her. You got your attire and then you got what you carry in your backpack. Sorry, some of y'all. I've been doing this a long time. Okay. You never even told jokes like that till you started hanging out with him. 
There's people in this room, in fact, you're trying to impress people. You wouldn't even like them if you got to hang out with them. This is the, that's the honest to God truth. I've watched young people almost lose everything, finally get in the crowd, and then find out I don't even like them. There is one thing I know. There's nothing that feels like this. There is nothing that feels like the presence of God. There is no place that I find this kind of peace. There's no place I find this kind of power. There's no place I find this kind of demonstration. I wish you'd throw your hands towards heaven right now and you would say, God, help me evaluate my allegiances from this first night. My, my, my. I'm talking to the student whose parents would faint if they knew you watched that at their house. <laughs> they wouldn't just kill you, they'd kill you dead. <laughs> Ezian Gabur was considered most important seaport of old Palestine. It means the backbone of a mighty one, or the counsel of a man. Please hear this, young people. It was not barren. Even though when you read it in the Old Testament, you might think that doesn't mean anything to me. Let me give you a little historical lens for you to understand. It was not barren. It was not desolate. Everyone was aware of its existence. It was so important for commerce and progression. Everyone understood the seaport at Ezion Geber. It's where you went if you wanted to have things advanced. If you were going to be important in commerce, you knew about Ezion Geber. The only way for you to reference it is think if you've ever done a, uh, any kind of travel outside of central Illinois and you've gone to a place where you've seen a seaport or maybe you have looked at one on the internet, you would understand the bustling seaport of that day. 1 Kings chapter 22, verses 48 and 49, tell us why. It's the historical strength of what we've read here. Verse 48 says, Jehoshaphat made ships of Tarshish to go to Ophir for gold, but they went not, for the ships were broken at Ezion Geburb. Then said Isaiah the son of Ahab unto Jehoshaphat, Let my servants go with thy servants in the ships. There's this desire for continued relationship, but Jehoshaphat would not. This is why they're trying to build ships together. They're going for gold. Now everybody in here agreed at the beginning, at least most of us did, that we're honest, that we take a little piece of that pie. Yeah, you take the tithes, Pastor. Right? Take that. That blessed the church. Somebody brought in and put a gold bar in the offering plate. Can I tell you that the idea to sell for gold was not original to Jehoshaphat? There are very few ideas anymore that are originals. <laughs> it wasn't original with him, but he had heard stories about a man by the name of Solomon. How many of you have heard of him? Yeah, yeah, that wise guy. Solomon, 1 Kings chapter 9, verses 26 through 28, says that Solomon made a navy of ships in Ezion Geber, which is beside Eloth on the side of the Red Sea in the land of Edom and Hiram. 
He sent the Navy, his servants, watch this, shipmen that had knowledge of the sea with the servants of Solomon. They came to Ophir. They fetched from thence gold 420 talents, and they brought it to King Solomon. Jehoshaphat has heard about the stories and thinks, I think it'd be good for my generation to get a little piece of that. <laughs> There's some differences, though, between Jehoshaphat and Solomon, and I want to talk to you about them if it's okay. Solomon had wisdom. Here's how he utilized that wisdom. He used shipmen that had knowledge of the sea that could get on his ship and tell him whether or not it was actually seaworthy. You're going to need people in your life that can tell you whether you're about to sink or not. Can I say it like that without screaming it at you? You need people in your life. So I'd ask you this question. Who's building you right now? Well, my, my pastor and my God. You, you, that's right. That's a good answer. You need your pastor. But if the only time you're talking to your pastor is once a week, if he has time on Sunday, I'm asking you again. Who's building you right now? Who is the most influential daily voice in your life? Because if it's YouTube... Then I would ask you this, who's steering your life? If you manage to keep it afloat for a while, who is steering your life? Here's why, Pastor Romine, I'm asking this question, because I have found it is dangerous to want success of the elders without having the purity of their motives. My generation is consistently preaching, we want more than we have ever seen before. And I believe we do. And I believe God is raising an army of youth and young adults to in fact see that. Why he has saved it for our generation, I don't know, but I am thankful. But realistically, at the same time that I am watching some succeed greatly in the kingdom of God, I am watching others tragically sink in front of everyone. Ezion Geber was a place where everybody could watch. You know what the enemy wants? He wants you to get crushed in front of everybody. He wants you to be destroyed so everybody has to talk about the fact that you had potential. But now you're nothing more than another statistic. You're nothing more than what could have been. That is not, that is not the will of God. It is not the will of God for us to desire what a previous generation had but not have the pure motives because when our motives are pure, then we will make sure we get the right people into the allegiance of our life that can walk up and evaluate what we're doing. Hear me right now. This is critical for every young person, especially every young adult in the room. Please hear this. Before you alter your direction... You better evaluate your devotion. Between, before you alter who you're going to give your allegiance to, just because you turn 18 doesn't mean that you actually have the cognizant opportunity or ability, rather, to select the university without a godly and influential voice in your life. Every decision... I'm going to preach it how I feel it, okay? Every 
every decision ought to be weighed through somebody who has a voice in your life that can tell you you might stay afloat for the first hundred yards, but if we don't work on this right here, right now, before you ever get beyond the break wall, your ship will end up at the bottom. We need people in our life. I'm not beyond this, Pastor. I'm not past this. I'm 40 years old, almost got four kids, got my own. But I've got people in my life that got to look at me and can tell me, if you don't get this corrected and, and if you don't make sure that this is fixed up, then you're going to end up sinking everything. And I would tell you one of the great lies of hell has been to our generation, as long as it looks like it'll float, it will. Walk by faith, not by sight. <laughs> Looks good. That's why I ask who's your faith in. Who's the person in your life that can call you up and say, man, you're being an idiot right now. Without you getting offended and wanting to change churches like you change socks. That was like nervous laughter. Did you catch that? That was nervous. <laughs> The desire for success is important. I don't want to step on anybody's toes, but I'm not into 25-year-olds living in a basement playing video games all day. I... Let the parents say amen. amen. <laughs> I believe the desire for success is important. I believe we got to get from dreams to visions. I believe we ought to desire double portion. But here's what I know. Please hear this. We've got to do more about double portions than know how to shout for them at conventions and camp meetings. If I really want a double portion, i got to figure out how to get from point A to point B. And here's what I've learned. I can't get to point B without having somebody close to me that really knows what it's like. I need somebody on the ship of my life who knows what the salt water feels like, who knows the destruction it does to the bow of the boat. I need somebody who can evaluate the, the cracks of the ship. Because if we're not careful, here's what we're accustomed to do. Can I just tell you, we are in a place where it is hard for us to be transparent about the broken places of our own life. And I've seen too many who absolutely lose everything they had placed inside their life and were meant to be with God because instead of fixing the problem, they put a new, a new coat of paint over it. Hey, hey Jehoshaphat, there's a, uh, there's a crack. There's a, you know, there's a tear in the bu I, I, I don't. Should, should we go? Where's that navy? I'm not hiring that. You know what that Navy will cost? Pain over. Allegiances with ungodly people will get you to compromise when you would not have ever compromised. Allegiances with ungodly people will cause you to think that things are okay when you know deep inside of you they are not okay. But transparency... Mm. Transparency shows that you don't know how to do it on your own. And it brings us to a place where we are uncomfortable to ask questions to even leaders in our life. This is true. Let me tell you some of our questions that we're scared to ask. Is that okay? 
We're scared to death if we get confused on the oneness of God to actually ask somebody that might judge us on it. You want to know one of the, one of the greatest days in my life? When I was a teenager just like you and stood in the front, front altar at our church and looked at our youth pastor and I said, I don't think I get the oneness. Oh. National Youth President. Just... I get it now. But I can tell you right then, I didn't get it. And there was a big part of me that was just saying, don't you tell anybody. Because if you tell anybody, it's going to be embarrassing. They're going to know you don't know how to do this. Don't tell your, oh, don't tell your youth pastor because he won't let you preach. Because if we're not careful, we'd rather stand up and preach what we do not know. And if we yell a little bit and they clap, maybe everything's... So we got to go home with questions because we refuse to ask actual questions. We'll preach on stuff we do understand and ignore stuff that we do not. How about some of you girls in here who have honestly questioned your own holiness lifestyle? I'm preaching to a girl in here right now that stood in front of the mirror the very last week or two and questioned whether or not you understand why you live the way you live. But if we're not careful, we have no safe places and we have no people in our life because we're scared to death of judgment. I'm telling you, that's a lie from hell. That is not the will of God. This book has got every answer that you're looking for. You might not be able to find it, but come find somebody who knows what it's like to be out on the water. You're not alone. You're not by yourself. We're not making this up. We didn't just get here by accident. And yes, we need the Spirit of God as much as we've ever need Him. But we're never going to get to a place where we graduate from the need to know Scripture and the ability to personally apply it to our lives. Understanding the oneness of God, understanding lifestyle disciplines and, and why you live the way you do. How about this one that no one wants to talk about, gender identity? Confusion. People never been confused in their life about who they were. And now all of a sudden, spirits running rampant. Part of the way you can help yourself is to stop cursing what you're coddling. We curse in public what we coddle in private. We watch what we cannot live. Huh. We've got to talk about real issues. Here's what I found in my years of ministry. When I walked into prisons or juvenile, when I walked into high school, when I'm dealing with big problems, me wearing a nice suit and a cute tie does not get the job done. When I've seen drug addicts delivered, when I've seen people set free, it was because of one thing, the power of this word. I still believe you got to know the truth, and it'll be the truth that sets God. It's the truth. I know it's 2020, but it's still the truth that sets us free. You ought to leap about that. You ought to rejoice in that. It's the truth of God's Word. And I'm talking to all the elders while I'm talking to myself and telling if it's more comfortable for them to Google it than to Google us. I understand it's uncomfortable. 
And our phones have not helped with this. They haven't. We don't have time for this, but I'm going to tell you, if you can't remember the last time you went all day long without your phone, <laughs> some of y'all started twitching. <laughs> Go back to that bird place. We, uh, this is what we think of. I, they're going to play this. This is what we think of when we think of the harbor. Ah. How many of y'all like being on the water? I like the water. Just, the, just that boat in the background. That little waves. Just, ah. Peaceful sounds of the harbor. Seagulls, the gentle wave moving against the rocks. To spiritualize the harbor, I would tell you that the church, the church is like the harbor where your construction is meant to occur. Your Sunday school class, when you were a child, you were taught about Jesus. That, that's kind of the harbor. But I'm going to tell you, once you get beyond the break wall, this, is, this next clip's a lot more what the, what the ocean actually sounds like. It doesn't sound much like this. It sound, go to that next clip. <laughs> This is what it feels like when a philosophy professor challenges you in front of 50 other students. This is what it feels like when you get in the locker room and they want to talk about sex like it's nothing but another conversation and you got to decide whether you're apostolic when no one else is around. This is what it sounds like when no one else is around and it's just you, God, and your computer. Turn that off for a second. Here's what I know. You got to make up in your mind that if I'm actually going to survive once I hit turbulent waters, because I'm telling you it can go from sound clip one to sound clip two in nothing but a blink of an eye. And you better make sure that there are people on your ship that are able to tell you the weather's about to turn, things are about to break, we need to stay in the harbor tonight, you need to... We need people in our life that can slow us down without us accusing them of holding us back. Woo! I'm probably as aggressive as anybody else. I want to go. I want to get things done. But there have been times in my life when ministry had to look at me and say, you're not going. I, now listen, I was nearly 30 years old, invited to preach a meeting and took it to my pastor, which is what I do. I'm still, I still give my dates to spiritual covering. I still got two people in my life that can veto any of my schedules. That anywhere, any camp meeting I'm scheduled to preach, they can tell me no. You're not above that. And I was scheduled, I, 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 I wasn't scheduled yet. I was invited. I took it. I wanted to preach this meeting. I felt like I was supposed to. And my pastor said, nope, not going to go. That's not what I said. It's what I should have said. I said, are you serious? He said, it's not good for you to go. He said, they have a gaping wound. They want you to be a Band-Aid, and it's going to cause you more than you're ready to give. I just wanted to go preach. (laughs) 
You know what I did? I kind of slumped my shoulders and walked out and made the call and not going to be able to come. Something else came up. <laughs> Schedule conflict after all. No, I was, I was kind about it and I didn't, I, I, I didn't talk about him. I've told him this story. I, you have to be able to respect what you don't understand. I'm saving some of your futures right now if you'll catch that. You've got to be able to be obedient even when you don't understand why you're being obedient. Because the perspective is different. I found out, I found out less than a month later, the very weekend I was supposed to be there, something unraveled in the church that could have been detrimental. I was kind of like, that's why I listen to my pastor at all times. That's why I follow after, follow after his voice. Turn to somebody. Look at them. Tell them sincerely. And I know some of you introverts hate when the preacher asks you to talk to your neighbor. But I have found this. If you can't talk to people in church, it's tough for you to win people from the world. Tell them this. You're not meant to sink. You're not meant to sink. Those of you that can't swim, I'm helping you too. You're not meant to sink. You're not meant to get a calling at youth convention and backslide before you get through college. You're not meant to show up and be on fire through your early 10 years, but then a heathen by the time you graduate high school. And I'm going to remind us, everybody in the room, the church doesn't owe us anything. We can't be entitled to this. We have been blessed enough to come into this. So I'm not preaching. Listen, I'm preaching to both generations right now. Elders, let me preach to you for a second. If we have ever needed you to have a clear voice and solid convictions, preach to the elders for a moment. Please don't confuse us by telling us things are okay now that were not okay 10 years ago. Please don't confuse us in this way. My God, is that okay? I'm in something right here, right now. I do not want a new religion. I do not want a new baptism. I do not want new doctrine. I do not, no, 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 no. I want whatever gets the ship to be built properly and get me. Yes, I want to get to gold. I want to get to streets of gold. I want to get to the shores of that new Jerusalem. And I want you to make it there. I want to get to the place where there is no need for sun nor moon. For the Lamb will be the light thereof. I want to get to that place. Let me ask that. Does anybody still believe that there is a place where there are walls of jasper and gates of pearl and... Anybody still believe there is a place where the streets are? They're of gold, which is transparent. I don't know about you, but I plan on making it there. I don't plan on sinking between here and there. So if I need people in my life that can give me warning, I've got to have it. I don't want to die in between here and there. But I tell you tonight, the echoes of the sea 
would preach louder than I ever could if you could hear the testimonies of young men and young women and young adults who along the way, Brother Jason, have lost everything for moments of pleasure. I've lost track of the times I've sat across from young people who have looked at me and said, I never thought I'd get this far, this fast. I never planned on getting... I wish I hadn't set a cross from them strung out on drugs and strung out on meth. I, I wish I didn't have the vivid memories of teenagers telling me that they felt like if they didn't shoot up on meth, it would be like putting a plastic bag over their head. They said the way you would fight to get freedom is the way I feel every day. Because when you sink, you have a tendency to sink. The sea is crying tonight. I really didn't come to preach. I, I came to let them preach. I came. I came to let some of your friends that aren't here tonight that you think have no more value. I'm telling you, they have value. And even though they're preaching right now, in fact, to you, you better hear that you yourself could be a castaway. You yourself could find yourself on the bottom of this ocean. You yourself could find yourself on the bottom of this sea, the peaceful harbor that's been in your mind thinking one small choice after another does not have long-term consequences. I beg to differ. In fact, I feel sent from heaven to tell you that you better evaluate. The structure of your life, well, it's just a little crack here about doctrine, and it's just a it's just a little foundational issue here about my lifestyle discipline, and it's just a it's just a little issue here. I know it's taken on a little bit of water, but she's so good looking. I know, I know that, 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 that the steering mechanism is messed up, but but it's such a small element. How how big of a deal could it really be? When your steering mechanism's messed up. Everything's messed up. When your tongue's messed up, everything's messed up. When you can't remember the last time you spoke in other tongues, I'm telling you everything's messed up. When, man, I hit something right there. When you can't remember the last time, you can remember maybe the last time in church, but you can't remember the last time you laid in your bedroom. You've got to evaluate your Ship, you've got to evaluate who's building it. You've got to evaluate whether or not you can actually make it. I want you to lift your hands with me across this room. I want you to begin to pray, God, let there be introspection. Let me take honest evaluation of my life right now. Mm. 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 Come on, be honest with God this first night. What's in my life that doesn't belong? Who's not there that should be? <laughs> if all your closest friends make you a lesser version of yourself, you need new friends. Some of you think that I sound harsh. Maybe I'll try to smile. If, if all your closest friends make you a lesser version of yourself, get some new friends. I hope everybody in this room right now can think of the friend that makes you want to be more spiritual. 
Think about it. I know you'd be more comfortable if I was screaming, but hear me. Think about the friend in your life that makes you want to fast. That makes you want to pray. If you're the most spiritual person in your circle, you need to widen the circle. I can't help it, I'm just... Tried to get in the bathtub yesterday, the water parted, things were... You've got to have people in your life that make you want to be a better version. People in your life that make you want to be the God version of you. The person you were designed to be. The person that God intended for you to be. Not just on a weekly, but on a day-to-day basis. Who's the person that can feel prompted for you and text you at 1, 2 in the morning... Who's the person in your life that knows your weakness and can text you about it? Man, this is uncomfortable. This is so... But here's the problem. Brother Poole, I recently, here a couple years ago, I got to go for a a, a walk on the Mayflower replica. If anybody here ever been to Plymouth Rock? That's a depressing trip. Can I get a witness? Yeah, I saw you nodding your head. Is that... Sad or what? They were, they were warning me when I was walking up. You know, I got this historic, I see this in my mind, right? See this great stone protruding out into the water and the waves are crashing against it. Devil is a liar. When we walked up, it was this little stone in a cage, broke in two. When they tried to move it, it wasn't even strong enough. I'm like, that ain't Plymouth Rock. They call that Plymouth Rock. It's got to be something else. Surely. But while we were there, I got to go to the Mayflower replica. Some of y'all would think that's the most boring thing in the world. It was neat. It was a fun experience. I was going on looking at... I'm asking all the, you know, the dorky tourist questions. Looking at all the sides. Look how little. How'd they survive? We're thinking about the people and how tight it must have been How'd they do it? But I really had one question that was just, Brother Russell was on my mind the whole time. And finally I got, I was like, how often are we, you taking this out? They're like, oh, this is a replica. We, we don't hardly ever. Do. Say what? You put all this money, all this energy, all this effort, So that we can walk on and just see a replica of the way things used to be. I went, hold on. Because if we're not careful, it's exactly what we're doing. Isn't it true? It's exactly what we're doing. We look like the original. But all of our feats are going to be based on what happened some other time with some other ship, with some other group of people. I thank God. Please hear this and understand my heartbeat. I thank God that we had 37,000 people at North American Youth Congress. I thank God for that. But folks, we're scratching the surface. I'm not impressed with that when I know how many billion people are... 
We are not to what God has promised us. No, no, no. And I refuse to be a replica of what the church in the book of Acts really was in its day and age. I thank God for what's happening, but I'm telling you right now, the greatest day of the church is upon us, and I refuse to set back so that people can come. There are people... There are people that are going to be content with simply having good church, but I refuse to love church more than I love God. I refuse to, I refuse to have a replica of the original product. I really, really, really want to see blind eyes open up on the norm. I want to see deaf ears open up. I want to see the lame stand up and walk. I want to see it, and I want to see it right Right now, I do not want a replica church, and I do not want to be a replica Christian. I do not want to be a replica that looks fine in the seaport, but is not really good at open water. Whoa, look at those young people. You know what I had someone tell me recently? Don't ever let them go to college. Honest to God, that's what they say. They can't make it. Either you got the Holy Ghost or you don't have the Holy Ghost. Having the Holy Ghost, listen, when you walk onto campus doesn't mean you walk out from under authority, and that's what I'm driving here tonight. Just because you walk onto campus doesn't mean that you don't still need somebody that can text you at the end of the day and be like, hey, how are things today? I felt burdened for you today. Somebody that can reach out to you, Brother Jason, and say, hey, listen, the Spirit just prompted me. That you don't have to respond and be like, no, everything's great. But that's what we do, isn't it? And I understand that the average person doesn't need your business, but somebody ought to be up in your grill. Somebody ought to be able to get in your business and look at your life and say, if we don't correct this, you're going to be the casualty. And so whoever I'm preaching to, I think I'm preaching to a bunch, actually. On the first night of this revival, I'm telling you, we've got to evaluate. I need a gray-haired elder. Before I walked out that night to preach at Youth Congress in the room, Brother Dan Scott, retired missionary Dan Scott, that gray-haired elder walking apostle, laying hands on me, imparting things. My daily, when nobody's at the church, I go and I lay in the spot where he lays and prays. I want that. I want that. I need the energy of me, but I need the wisdom. He don't have the energy, so I got to drive forward, but I, I don't think this thing can stay seaworthy unless I can. There's too much at stake for us to lose this. There's too much at stake for us to not be concerned with whether or not our lives are being honestly evaluated. There's too much at stake. Please, please hear me, young man. Please hear me, young lady. There is too much at stake for you to think that this can be casual. This cannot be casual. I thank God for... Can I walk with this thing? Is that okay? Listen, I thank God for our music and I thank God for our songs. Turn it down if you have to. They can hear me. I thank God for everything we've got. 
But if we lose our ability to, number one, get a hold of God, and number two, stay submitted, we have lost everything. If we have good numbers, but we have poor moves of the Spirit, what have we done? Is this okay? Is this, I mean, I'm trying to be as raw with you as I possibly can. You need somebody when it's uncomfortable that can come up and get a hold of your life and can get close enough even when your sweet Pentecostal dude gets messed up. You know, I found myself, I must, I've never said this before. I'm going to say it right now, though. I have found myself nervous to lay hands on people because I didn't want to mess their hair up. Because you know it'll mess you up. Man, when I was a kid, I'm just going to tell you the truth. When I was a kid, I didn't care if, the, I didn't care if my hair was everywhere. I was so desperate for the man of God to lay hands on me. I don't want to lose that in this generation. Yeah, I thank God that we want to look nice. I thank God that we want to be put, but we got to get back. We got to have this bridge between the old and the new. I want to get there, but not at the expense of losing what has been given to us. I want to build bigger buildings because we're supposed to. But I'm not going to build bigger buildings at the expense of doctrine. I'm not going to build bigger buildings at the expense of the voice of an elder. Taking my time, and I'm sorry, we got school. I'm going to quit soon. But I, wish, I wish some of these, some of these teenagers along the way I wish Brad, if I could have, if I could have five more minutes with Brad, 20 years old, walked into the office, looked across the desk, and said, I know this is right, it just can't be right now. Yeah, so he said, I know I'm supposed to live like this, I know it's right, I just can't do it right now. If I'd have known. So every preacher in this room, every pastor in here, we've got things that haunt us, okay? I tell you, I used to not be able, when I was on staff on the pastoral role, I couldn't sleep on Sunday nights because I'd listen to the voice. I used to, I, I preached a message years ago, the voices of the night. I'd lay, I'd lay, pastor. I'd lay and I'd listen to those voices of the people who weren't there, who were supposed to be there. And I, if I'd have known that, that week, Brad would be sitting on a bar stool, snuck into a bar, sitting on a bar stool, would die of a massive heart attack at 20 years old. I can't tell you how many times that I have mentally replayed myself running out the front doors of that church and, and grabbing on. The, I've thought over and over and over and over of what I would have done if I would have known if I could bring Brad here to preach. My God, he'd tell you don't let anything. What's right better become right now. It better. It... Throw your hands towards heaven. I, I'm trying to find the landing in the spirit here. I'm talking to some young girl right now that's been letting some boy in your life. He's about to destroy your entire future. You better hear me right now. He is about to destroy your entire future. And I've walked onto the ship of your life and I'm talking to you right now. Andabokuya, reba yandabokuya. 
right where you're seated. I want this to be one of the most powerful prayer meetings, right where we're seated. Come on, lift your voice and cry to God right now. God, forgive me of anything that's wrong, any sin in my life that is hidden in there, anything that would keep me from pleasing you, anything that's going to take my ship down. It's going to sink my life. Yeah, 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 yeah. Pray like your soul depends on it. Pray like your eternity depends on it for a minute. Help me evaluate my life. I've lost, I've lost young people along the way because I was scared of offending their parents. Past that kind of worry anymore. Youth pastor, hear me right now. Don't be intimidated to preach what is right and to reach with what is true. We have, our message has never been popular. The only part of our message that is popular is the love. The love of God. When you reach with the love of God, you've got to tell the truth. You've got, Brother Russell, I've got to tell the truth. If I don't tell the truth, I don't really love. My love is compromised. I've got to tell the truth. To the young person in this room right now, you know baseball season's already started up, and you know you can't live for God. You, I'm not preaching against that. I'm preaching to you. You know. You can't do both. Stand. Stand with me. I'm, I believe... I believe in dramatic conversion. I believe in open confession. It's biblical. I believe it's important. I'm asking for every young person, every young adult in the room that would be honest enough to say, I got a few cracks I need to get fixed, not covered. Everybody else in my life would just say, pull a, pull a rug over. Let's just get through inspection. As if people are really the ones doing the inspecting anyway. He's looking on the inward places. Something about this word. It cuts, it brings to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and is a 
a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Gets them to the inside. And so every young person and every young adult, I'm asking you not to kneel. I'm asking you to come and stand at the front if you're willing to admit with me. I got some things in my life that I really want God to take care of from tonight moving forward. I, 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 don't, want to be, I don't want to be unsubmitted. I don't want to be uncovered. So here we go. I'm wondering who's the first person that will walk. Thanks. There's one. Come and stand. Please don't kneel. It's intentional. Just come and stand. Get as close to the front as you can. Get as close to the front as you can. When you come, start looking around a little bit. Pastor, the greatest misconception is that we cannot be honest because we think everybody else has it together. It's such a lie from hell. It is such a lie. If they knew, if they knew I was having those thoughts, if they knew that I was... They would know you're human, but newsflash, they already know. I don't believe you need to air your dirty laundry. I don't believe that Facebook needs to become your platform or Instagram needs to be your vent chain. But I do believe you need friends around you that are spiritual that can come up alongside of you that are close enough to you that say I refuse to let you go down because if you go down we're probably going to go down together those of you gathered look how many are across the front of this room I commend you look at me let me just talk to you let Uncle Joshy talk to you for a second okay I commend you for your honesty tonight because there's healing you'll find in honesty that you'll never find in fallacy You'll never find it in you trying to cover it up. You, 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 and I don't care how many movies you watch, you won't push that feeling away. And I don't care how many games you play, you're not because it'll be gnawing at you. It'll be eating at you that something's just not right. But I believe in a moment. I believe in the presence of God starting this night. He can come in and begin to... I'm not going to say it's comfortable because it hasn't been comfortable for some of us the whole message. You've been thinking, you, some of you have felt like I'm sitting and talking directly into your life. But the Holy Ghost loves you enough to say, let's get things right. Let's get things right. Whatever the problem, whatever the struggle, whatever the lie of the enemy, whether it be mentally, emotionally, Maybe it's something physically even that's been plaguing you, but you know it all keeps coming back to this spiritual issue. It's, I don't know what, but it keeps coming back to this spiritual. And I'm not going to walk by sight. And I'm not going to pass on the sight of others, but I am by faith right now. I've walked to an altar by faith, and so now I'm going to lift my hands. And I'm going to say, God, put people in my life and let your spirit begin to do surgery on me right now. Everybody under the sound of my voice ought to have the Holy Ghost fall on them right now. I pray the Holy Ghost would minister in your life.